Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, today, I want to continue talking to you, really, about how God takes us from a dark place into the light. Now, when we begin in Genesis chapter 1, and we've been using verse 5, but today I want to go to verse 2, which says, The earth was without form, void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving on the face of the waters. Uh, The voice translation says it like this. At first, the earth lacked shape, was totally empty. It was a dark fog draped over the deep while God's Spirit hovered over the surface of the empty waters. Then there was the voice of God. So what we find is we find it's formless, it's void, it's dark. And then the voice of God. Then God says, let there be light and everything turns around. In Genesis 5, it tells us that days do not begin when the sun comes up. The day begins in the evening. The day begins at night. And then comes the brightness of the sun. And then comes the breakthrough. And and really, in our lives, that's what happened. God takes that place of darkness, and he brings us Out of that darkness, there's a turnaround, there's a breakthrough, there's a reverse of the curse, there's a healing, there's deliverance, the peace comes, the purpose comes, the joy comes after we were in that place of darkness. Now, uh, one of the great heroes in the Bible is Elijah. And really, you look back at the Old Testament and, and you have Abraham, Moses, Elijah. Those really were the prophets that were great. And, and many would, can, would put a fourth on there and put David on there. But uh, what happened with Elijah is the, the, the kingdom of Israel has turned away from God. And he, he pronounces to the king that there's going to be no rain. There's going to be no dew these years until he says so. And literally for three and a half years, there is no rain and there is no dew. And then the Lord says to the prophet, I want you to go show yourself to the king and put together a confrontation and tell the king to get all of his false prophets together and go to Mount Carmel. And you go to Mount Carmel and each side selects an animal, puts it on an altar and the God that answers by fire, he'll be God. Well, everybody shows up. The false prophets kill their animal. They put it on the altar and they're dancing around. They're cutting themselves. They're they're yelling. They're screaming. Nothing happens. Finally, after hours and hours, it's the prophet of God's term. It's Elijah's turn. And, And he prays a very simple prayer. And when he does, fire falls from heaven. And all the people fall down and say, the Lord, he's God. He's God. They take and they kill the false prophets. And Elijah said this to Ahab. He said, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. For there is the sound of abundance of rain. Now, the problem, if you looked at it, was this. There was no sound. There was no rain. There was no lightning. There were no dark clouds. There was no wind. There was nothing. But he said, You get up, you go, because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. So the Bible says that Ahab went up to eat and drink, 
And Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed down on his knees and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go now and look towards the sea. And he went and looked and said, there is nothing. Seven times he said, go and look. And he comes back saying, there's nothing. And it came to pass on the seventh time, there was a cloud, the size of a man's hand rising out of the sea. And so he said, go and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain and Ahab rode away and went towards Jezreel and the hand of the Lord came on the prophet and he girded up his loins. That means he, he took that skirt that he had and he held it up and he actually outran the king's chariot for 18 miles back to town. But what he said was this, before there was any dark cloud, before there was any moisture, before there was lightning, before there was wind, he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And I want you to know that faith hears and sees before the thing actually shows up in the natural realm. You see, you can have, you can hear the sound. You can see an abundance of provision, an abundance of peace, an abundance of favor and of healing and deliverance and joy and purpose and freedom. Because the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. What we do is we make a declaration and we make a declaration of what we see in the spirit, what we see on the inside because of our faith. Because the Bible says that we look not at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. Now, how do you look at what's not seen? You look at what's not seen by faith. You look at what's not seen by seeing what God says in his word. For we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. They are subject to change. But the things that are not seen, they are eternal. So keep your faith turned on and be willing to make that declaration of what you see on the inside. Job said, you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. And so light shall shine on your way. And when they cast you down and you say exaltation will come, then he, God, will save the humble person. God shows up when we make that declaration of faith. Even when we may appear to be cast down, even when it may appear that it's dark, that things are going in the wrong direction, we need to begin to speak by faith. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, since we have the same spirit of faith. Now, we don't have a different faith. We've got the same, literally the identical spirit of faith. If a faith is a spirit, it's not a bunch of rules and regulations. It's a spirit. According to what's written, the verse says, I also believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. David believed what God said, so he spoke. We believe what God says, so we speak. So we make a declaration. David, before he fought Goliath, he said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to kill you today. I'm going to take your head off you today. And I'm going to give your body and that of the Philistines, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, that all the world may know that there is a God in heaven. You see, he made a declaration. He heard the sound of an abundance of victory, right? Despite the darkness that may be around. You know, the Bible says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And sometimes we've got to pass that test. There may be a test of time. 
There may be a test of speaking contrary to what we actually see. The Bible says about Joseph in Psalms 105, now his brothers have sold him as a slave. It says they put cruel chains on his ankles and iron collar around his neck until the word of the word came to Pharaoh and God confirmed his promise. The translation says that the Lord tested him. You know, Joseph went through some troubles. He was sold as a slave. He's working. He's purchased by a man named Potiphar in Egypt. He's working in his house. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. When he lies, when, when he refuses, she lies and has him thrown into prison. There he is. Now, this was not a nice country club type prison. This was literally a dungeon. And the Bible says that, that he's faithful in that place. He begins to work in that place. In fact, the Bible says whatever was done in there, he was the doer of it. The, the, the jailer just saw how faithful he was, how he served how forgiving he was. You say, well, well, how do you know he was forgiving? Because there were two men in there who had dreams and they didn't know what the dreams meant and they were troubled. And the Bible says that in the morning he came by and he saw them and he says, why are your faces so downcast? Listen, people that are bitter are not concerned about what's happening to somebody else. And he said, look, this is what, this is, this is the deal. Those dreams he said, God has the interpretations. He says, you tell me and I will tell me the dream. I'll give you the interpretation. He kept a right attitude in the midst of all of it. You know, the Bible says, let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not lose heart or don't lose faith. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. In due season, you'll reap. Don't grow weary. Keep doing it. Keep doing what's right. You, you, you see, there is a test of time. It's about our character. Uh, I, I remember several years ago, probably about 10 years ago, I was invited by Rick Renner to come to, to Russia, to Moscow, to preach in his church and to teach in his Bible school. Uh, at that time, Rick lived, I'm going to guess it was six or seven blocks off, the, off from Red Square where the Kremlin is. And so they put me in a hotel right across the street from Red Square. And I think I was up on the 10th or 12th floor. And I remember looking out the window. In fact, I think we've got a picture of pretty much what I would see. Uh, uh, there was a basilica there and right. That's part of, of Red Square. And uh, the t Lenin's tomb is there. The Kremlin is there over on uh, what would be my right side. If you're, I'm looking at that picture. There's a, a really, really high end uh, group of stores, a, a mall, really, with several hundred stores in it. Well, I remember I, I get up and, and I thought, you know what? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take a walk for a while. And so I start walking around Red Square and uh, a block or two off Red Square. And I mean, it's crowded. There's a, there's a lot of people there. And, and uh, right in front of me, a guy puts his hand out of, well, actually pulls his hand out of his pocket. And when he does, a wad of bills falls out about this big. All right. Now, these weren't Russian bills, and I don't remember if it was a 50 or a $100 bill that was on the outside of that group, but there were, there were several thousand. It looked like several thousand dollars there. And a guy right next to me leans down and picks it up and looks at me and says, let's split it. And I said, no, it came out of his pocket. And he's saying, let's split it. And I, he's got the money in his hand saying, let's split it. And I grab his arm and, and we chase this guy. 
And he's all the time, he's saying, let's split it, let's split it. And I'm saying, no, it came out of his pocket. And I'm dragging him. And, and finally, we catch up to the guy. And I tap him on the shoulder. And, and I said, this, this, this fell out of your pocket. You know, and and uh, the guy gave it to him. And, and uh, I just went on, didn't think anything about it. The next day, I thought, well, I'm going to take a little walk this morning. So I'm out and I'm walking around and a guy right in front of me pulls his hands out of his pocket and out drops a wad of bills about that big, again, with a a 50 or 100 on the outside. And and it looks like thousands of dollars. And the guy next to me picks it up and says to me, let's split it. And I look at him and I go, it's the same guy as yesterday. And, and I said, I don't know what your scam is. I don't know what, the, what, you're, what you're about, but, but you tried to pull this on me yesterday. So I tell Rick about it. We get together later in the day, and, and I say, Rick, this is what happened. It happened two days in a row. And he says, oh, my goodness. He said, they just told us about this. He says, there's a scam going on. He said, the money falls. You agree to split the money. You step aside, and when you do, the guy who, whose pocket it fell out of came, comes back with a police officer, and they, they're going to arrest you, but they give you a chance to get out of it, and they take your watch, your money, your ring, everything, your pa- they take everything that you've got. Right? Now, of course, when the money fell out, I didn't know it was a test, but it really was a test of character, and what was really funny, I go out the next day, and <laughs> The same thing happens to somebody else, and I watch it, and I watch them try to scam this guy. But they were just, they were just working it. You know, sometimes things happen, but it really is a test of our character. Every day we stay in faith. Every day we keep doing the right thing. Every day we don't grow weary in doing good and in doing what's right. We keep on passing the test. Now, the thing about the test is this. It's not announced. It's not like God says, hey, this is a pop quiz. This is a test. But when we just keep on doing what's right, not growing weary in doing good, in doing right, in due season, you will reap if you faint not. Now, the Bible says when when darkness overtakes him, light will come bursting in. You know, when you keep on doing the right thing, when you keep on believing, when you keep that faith, switch of faith turned on. There comes a point. It may appear that darkness has overtaken you, but the Bible says that light will come bursting in. And Joseph, he's just kept on doing the right thing. He's in the dark place. It's prison. One evening, he goes to sleep in prison. That's how he went to sleep. But the next day, the sun rose. He's called in before Pharaoh, and he goes to bed the prime minister of Egypt. God, the Bible says in the book of Acts, gave him only two things. He gave him wisdom and he gave him favor. But it happened because he passed the test. And I like to say it like this, because he went to bed a prisoner. Right? But the next day he ended up prime minister. I like to say this, that God can get you anywhere in 24 hours. That your circumstances can be totally different in 24 hours than your circumstances are today. Isaiah 58 says, then your light will break forth like the morning and your healing shall spring forth speedily. You know, you, you need that breakthrough. You, you, you need the idea. You need to connect with the right person. Well, the Bible says that suddenly, you know, it's in the book of Acts chapter two. It says, suddenly there was a, a sound from heaven of, of a mighty rushing wind. It was the Holy Spirit. 
And suddenly, so often is how things turn around in our lives. It may seem like it's been a detour forever, but suddenly things turn around. Take Moses as an example. The Bible says in Acts 7, verse 23, that when Moses was 40 years old, it came into the heart of Moses to visit the children of Israel. And it later says that what he thought, that they would understand that God was going to use him to deliver them. But as he's out visiting the children of Israel, he sees an Egyptian abusing an Israelite. And he looks this way and that, sees nobody, and he kills the Egyptian. He digs a hole and he buries his body. And he thinks nobody knows. But a few days later, he's out again and he sees two Israelites, two Jewish men, and they're quarreling between each other. And he goes in and tries to make peace. And one of them says, well, what are you going to do? Kill me like you did the Egyptian? And the Bible says when he heard that, he was so full of fear. He said, it's known. Pharaoh found out. Pharaoh was searching for him. He ran. He hid. He ran out into a desert. And it was a night season for him. It was dark. But do you know what it was? It was just a delay. We could call it a desert detour. You may not be where you thought you would be. You may say, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to see my dreams come true. I don't know if God's ever going to use me. You see, but you need to get ready for your comeback because God's not finished with you. God finishes what he starts. In fact, the Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So when you take a hit, don't take a step back because God is preparing your comeback. There's a great story in the Bible. It's, a, it's a, actually a very small book of the Bible called Jonah. And the, the, the book begins this way. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amity, and he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And he arose and fled to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He didn't want to go. Because the people of Nineveh were the enemies of the Israelites. And he didn't want God to have mercy on him. So he goes to flee from God's presence. And it says he went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarsus. He paid his fare. And he went down into it. Verse 5 says, Then Jonah had gone down into the lower parts of the ship. And he had laid down and was fast asleep. You'll notice what he did. He went down, 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 down. And when you and I run from God, that's literally where we go. We go down, down, down. It happens that God prepares a fish in a storm and a storm hits that boat. And there was no way that the sailors could overcome that storm. So it's what, they were, what they did was they, they cast lots and it fell upon Jonah. And, and they said, what have you done? And he said, I'm fleeing from the Lord. And in the end, they said, here's what we need to do. You, 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 Jonah said, you need to throw me overboard. I know the problems that are here are because of me. And they do. They throw him overboard. Now, he thought that he could run from God. He thought there was going to be something better for him someplace else. I, I love what it says in Ephesians 2 in verse 10. It says, living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for you to live. Think about it. Living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for you to live. You see, the good life is not the life away from God. The good life is the life when you're connected to God, when you're in the will of God. 
Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. St. Augustine said this. He said, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Pascual said it this way. He said that there's a God-shaped hole in every person. Pope Francis called it nostalgia for God. It's that, that, that inner yearning that there is something that we're missing. And people look in so many places. And Jonah, he's, he's trying to run away from the, the will of God. And they throw him overboard. A great fish swallows him. And so he says, you believe that? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think God would have any problem creating. The Bible says he prepared a fish and that fish swallowed him up. And down inside that fish, finally, I don't know why it took him so long. He cries out to God. And that fish goes towards shore and vomits him out. And then the Bible says the word of the Lord came to him a second time saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Here's what happened. In the beginning, God said, arise and go to Nineveh. He runs away. He ends up in all sorts of trouble. He gets back right with God. And God says the exact same thing. He says, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim the message that I tell you to give it. You see, there was, there was a time where he was on a detour, but God's will never changed. And I want to say this to you. The Bible says that the gifts and the callings of God, they're without repentance. The gifts God's given you, the call that God has on your life, they're without repentance. You see, what does that mean? That means that, that God is still calling you. He still loves you. He still has a plan for you. And being confident of this very thing, the Bible says that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, it's been said like this. It says, faith is our grip on God, but grace is God's grip on us. And I, I picture it this way. I picture a man with his young two-year-old child and they're walking across the street together and they're holding hands. Now, now that little boy, his faith and his dad is his grip, but his dad's grip is the grace. And that grace is always so much greater. God's not letting you go. In fact, the Bible tells us that by grace, Everything has been provided for us. The Bible tells us he's provided for us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All that God has done is the grace. And, and so many times people are trying to talk God into doing something. Look, you're never going to talk God into doing something. Listen, he's already done it. He's already provided all things that we need for life and godliness. That's his grace. Everything that you receive, it's grace. It's not that you earned it. It's not that you talked God into it. No, 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 no. It, it's you, you're, you just simply respond in faith and say, I believe you've done it. Right? Uh, don't take something that has happened in your life and make that chapter the entire book. See, Joseph had some bad things happen, sold as a slave, lied about, thrown in prison. Those were chapters. But the day came when he was promoted and he became prime minister at 30 years old. And for the next 80 years, 80 years, he reaped the benefits of doing the things that he had done, doing the right things. Delays are to be temporary. They develop character. 
They get us in a spot to get right with God. They get us into the position that we need to be in. I, I remember when I, I got saved when I was 20 years old. I was brought up in church, but I was never, never a Christian. I just went to church. I, didn't, I never surrendered my life to the Lord. I had never received Jesus as the Lord of my life. But when I did, I was 20 years old. At that time, I was working at, at Steel Cases, getting money together to go to college. And I remember during that time, I'm 20 years old. Uh, I, I'm a Christian. I'm, my, my greatest fear is being in front of people. And, and I begin to, on the inside, I begin to see myself speaking to thousands of people. Just on the inside. You know, there's, there's different types of, of revelation that God gives you. There's what's called an open vision. And the Bible says in the book of Samuel, there was no open vision in those days. With an open vision, you have your eyes open and you see something right in front of you. There's a trance where you literally become more aware of the spiritual than the, than the natural. The Bible says in the book of Acts that Peter was praying and he fell into a trance and he saw a vision. Right? Uh, there's a vision where, where your eyes are they're closed, but yet you see something on the inside. Paul is on his way to Damascus. He gets knocked off his donkey. And the Bible says he got up and when he opened his eyes. He got up and when he opened his eyes. What he saw, he saw on the inside in his spirit. Right? And then there's what the Bible refers to as a night vision, which you and I would call a dream. It says, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit out upon all flesh. It says, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. It says, the young men will see visions and the old men will dream dreams. See, sometimes God comes in the night. And, and then there is the revelation that you don't see it but you, uh, with your physical eyes. You see it on the inside. And, and I remember 20 years old seeing that. It, 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 it scared the eebie-jeebies out of me. All right? and, and it was something that I, I literally, I, I did not want to do. I did not want to do that. I was so afraid. See, but God often shows you something way before that thing ever happens. Joseph is 17 years old and he's having dreams that his brothers and his father are someday going to come and bow down to him. Well, he was 30 years old before he was promoted and he was 32 when that vision came to pass. David was about 13 or 14, when Samuel came and anointed him to be king. But he was 37 years old when he became king of Israel. Moses was 40 years old, and it came into his heart to be a deliverer. But he was 80 years old when he came and delivered the children of Israel. We always want things to happen really quickly. But what happened to Moses? Well, he's out on the backside of a desert. And uh, uh, being a shepherd, serving his father-in-law, he's in a place of humility. And the pride that was in his heart during those 40 years, it literally, it disappeared. It says later, it says that Moses was very humble. It says more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. You know, he was no longer coming in his strength. He came in the strength that he received from God. Now, so much of what God wants to do to us and for us is, is revealed to us in his word. In fact, the Bible says, don't become like the people of this world. Instead, change the way you think. Change the way you think. 
And literally, that is what the Bible has been given to us to do, is to change the way that we think. When we're reading the Bible, we're not reading the thoughts of Paul or Peter or James or Moses. No, we're reading the thoughts of God. We're seeing God's perspective on things. And it will, it will change the way you think. Right? Uh, Jacob and Esau are born to, uh, to, to Isaac. Uh, Abraham has a son named Isaac. And Isaac has a son by the name of, uh, of Jacob and a son named Esau. Esau is the firstborn, Jacob's the second. But when they're born, Jacob is actually holding his brother's heel. And they gave him the name Jacob or deceiver or heel grabber. How would you like that for a name, deceiver? Well, he, he so wanted the blessing that his brother had coming because he was the oldest that he deceived his father. He tricked him and told him that he was his older brother. And he stole the, the blessing that his father was going to give to his brother. And Esau was so upset, he began talking about killing him as a result. So his mother said, I want you to go run to my family several hundred miles away. Stay there until I send for you. Well, it's going to be a period of over 20 years that he's there. But he's, he's off. He's on his way. He's alone. It's night. He's out in the desert. The Bible says that he takes a rock and he makes that his pillow. He's tired. He's hungry. Things are not looking bright. I imagine he's quite depressed. And you may say, well, is God punishing him? Is God mad at him? Well, while he's sleeping out there in that desert, alone, afraid, depressed, all by himself, while he's sleeping, God shows up in a dream. And the Bible says that in this dream, he sees a ladder or a staircase going up to heaven. And the angels of God are ascending and descending. Get that ascending and descending, which speaks to me of the activity of angels. The activity of angels centers around this earth because they were ascending and then descending. And in that dream that he has that night, God speaks to him and says, I'm the God of your father, Abraham and Isaac, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bring you back to the land that you're going away from. And I'm going to give that land to you and to your descendants. He woke up and basically what he says, he says, wow. He said, surely God is in this place. And I did not know it. He wasn't in a church. He wasn't in a temple or a synagogue. He was out in a desert on a cold, lonely night. But God shows up in our deserts. He shows up in our hard places, in our lonely times, in our night seasons. He shows up when there's sickness, when there's depression, when there's a discouragement, when there's addiction, when there's financial turmoil, when we're overwhelmed by our kids, when we feel forgotten, alone, and purposeless. God says, the thing I've begun to work in you, he said, I'm going to bring that thing to completion. God has not forgotten you. You may think I'm sheltered at home. I'm alone. I'm stuck here. But God, listen, God is in that place. God is in that place. And he's there because he wants to fulfill for you the things that he has purchased by the grace 
that Jesus accomplished at the cross by shedding his blood, by defeating the devil and winning victory for you and for me. Wherever you're at, surely God is in that place. It may seem dark and alone. He may seem distant, but God is not distant. Just like he was not far from Jacob, he's not far from you. And just like Jacob had done wrong things and somebody may have thought God was there to punish him, God's not there to punish you. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God is no longer holding your sins against you. That Jesus has blotted them out. And there is nothing keeping you from God, from the blessing that he has for you. And wherever you're at, if you possibly can, would you bow your head for just a moment? Pasquale said that in every person, there's this God-sized hole, this God-sized vacuum. And wherever you're at today, if you're not right with God, if you're away from God, the good life is not away from Him. The good life is when we come back to Him. Just like a fish was made to swim in the sea and an eagle was made to fly in the air, you were made to be in relationship with God. If you're not right with God, and you say today, I want to get right. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. And I want to receive the forgiveness that he has for me. Would you please bow your head? And we're going to pray this prayer together. I want you to make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. And I receive the forgiveness that Jesus purchased for me. I thank you my past is gone. That I'm a new person on the inside. And I'm a part of your family. Today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.